Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Nisha, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I'll just editorialize a little bit here. This is why the United States of America needs to be a friend to Israel. (laughs) It's pretty plain here. God's going to bless those that bless them and curse them that curse them. So I say go Israel. (laughs) So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, un, and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And there builded he an altar and the Lord, unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Then Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he, should re- which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So I want to talk about Abraham today. He was, he's, we know him as the father of the faithful, right? And he was faithful in his response to God's call. He was faithful in his walk. He was faithful in his devotion to God. And he was rewarded for his faithfulness. So there's a model here for us today, many thousands of years later. I'm so glad that the word, think about this, the word, we have it today in 2021. And it it began to be written, they had to record what Abraham did, right? But here it is, we still have it. And it's, And we're learning, as we see things unfold, that it's really accurate. It is not flawed like, should I say climate change? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, you know, we think we're so smart. We have computer models. We have all the technology, scary technology, but we can't figure out what the weather's going to be on Wednesday. 
but the Bible can look thousands of years ahead and say this is the way it's going to be and lo and behold, here it is. So God's ways are higher than our ways. It's evident everywhere you look. No argument from us, right? So the life of Abraham, though, is a relevant example. His his experiences, the things he went through are typical of, I mean, it's just life, right? I love the way Brother Mackey said it. Christians still get mosquito bites and flat tires. <laughs> you know, it, it's just life. And it's life that we earned, right? Because man sinned. So people want to blame God for what happens in their lives. Go back and blame Adam and Eve. When sin came in the world, we got what we asked for. And we're reaping what was sown back in the very beginning. And it's called sin. So, you know, there was a a famine that came up in Canaan that seems to have shaken um, Abraham's faith. He was, I think, still Abram. He decided to flee to Egypt, and that was a land ruled by pagan pharaohs. Abraham convinced his beautiful wife to lie about their relationship. You know, <clears throat> I married a beautiful girl, and I, you know, I'm keeping an eye on her. <laughs> I'm just saying. So Abraham's wife was beautiful, and he was afraid that they'd go into... Egypt, and they'd find out that Sarah was Abraham's wife, and to get his wife, they'd kill him. So they decided to lie about being married. Abraham, they told, they told Pharaoh that Sarah was Abraham's sister, and Sarah ended up in the house of Pharaoh as one of Pharaoh's wives or concubines, and so there were, in Genesis uh, 17, even though God made a covenant with Abraham and promises that a great nation, people like the sands of the sea would come from he and Sarah, he still faltered. I, I'm glad that the Bible doesn't just use perfect people to show us how to live. I'm, you know what? There's not a perfect person in this room. We all have flaws. The, Abraham was a flawed human being, yet God used him. And to this day, we're being blessed because of that. So <clears throat> in Genesis 17, uh, God changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. Sarah got impatient waiting for the promise of God and convinced Abraham that he should go into his Egyptian maid to have a son because she didn't believe God would fulfill his promise and thus Ishmael was born. Ishmael could not be the heir that God promised. So the lesson here is that when God makes a promise, his timing is his timing. And the example we see here in Abraham and Sarah is that they got impatient. And when God makes a promise, 
very frequently, I'd say it's probably safe to say almost always you're going to have to do some waiting. They were singing a song this morning as I walked in the sanctuary, wait on the Lord. I mean, <clears throat> when you go to see a doctor, what's the, where's the first place you go? The waiting room, right? You're going to go there to get some medical condition taken care of, you're going to wait. Sometimes a long time. But in this case, you know, they, they just got impatient. Hebrews 10 and 36 for, says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise, implying that if you're not patient, you won't receive the promise. <clears throat> Lamentations 3.26 says this, or James, I'm sorry, James 1 and 3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Lamentations 3.26 says it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Luke 21.19 says, and this, these are the words of Christ, in your patience possess ye your souls. Brother Brown and I have talked about patience here several times recently. One of the things, one of the benefits let me rephrase that. The only benefit of getting old <laughs> is you get to look back. And I think, you know, you can look back. When you're young, you can't wait to get old, right? As a teenager, oh, you couldn't, can't wait to get on. But when you're old, you can look back and you can look at 50 years and think about that 50 years in, a, in the snap of a finger, you can compress time and all of a sudden it seems like it was no time at all. But one of the benefits of just hanging around is that you get to see how God works. And if you're patient and you don't quit, you will have that same experience in life where you'll be able to look back and you'll, you'll have benchmarks where God has done things and... I've got them, I could give you testimonies, and I know everybody in here has testimonies about God's provision, his healing, his just taking care of us. But you're not going to see those promises fulfilled if you're not patient. And so, <clears throat> we, just, we, we just can't get ahead of God. That's exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. They gave, God doesn't need, he does not require our help. When he makes a promise, he's fully capable of pulling it off on his own. He doesn't need our intervention. And so <clears throat> Ishmael, what nation came out of, the, out of Ishmael? <laughs> we're, we're seeing and hearing about them all the time, right? Iran, Iraq, I mean... Are they our friends? They're the enemy of Israel, right? So <clears throat> there are consequences to impatience. There are rewards for patience. And we need to keep that in mind when we're in the waiting room. So <clears throat> Abraham had obstacles. Obstacles can be stumbling blocks or stepping stones, right? 
we can we can make them work for us or we can we can fight against them you know when brother Mackey was here I think he referred to the potter's wheel you know in the clay right and how clay when the potter has it is is soft and moldable and he likened that to us being on the potter's wheel and being soft and letting God mold us and shape us. We can do that or we can be a rock and turn God into a sculptor and make him chisel away with a hammer and chisel. It's, it's our choice. So <clears throat> when, we, when we come up against things in life, we can submit to God and be pliable or we can, we can get stubborn and make him get out the hammer and chisel. It's our choice. Here's another thing, folks. You can be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. What are you going to be? It's your choice. You know, <clears throat> it's kind of like dating a girl. You, get, you don't really get to know them until after you get married, right? I'm fortunate. I got a good one. And a good looking one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that one there. <clears throat> but you really don't. People are people. And even in the, even in the body of Christ, people are people. And you're going to come up against things where there's going to be hurts and other things that come from the family of God. I don't want to be one of those that is a stumbling block to somebody else. Paul wrote about it, right? We have liberty, but not to the point where we become a stumbling block to our brothers and sisters. But in life, when we get to them, when we get to the obstacles, you can either step up on the obstacle or you can run into it. It's your choice. So <clears throat> the city of Ur, U-R, was the center of worship uh, for the god Nana, the moon god, and his wife Ningil, the moon goddess. The most conspicuous building in the city was the ziggurat, dedicated to Nana. Ships carrying diorite and alabaster to be made into images plied their way up the Persian Gulf towards the corrupted city. Prostitute priestesses carried on disgraceful ceremonies in the name of religion, and many other gods and goddesses were worshipped there. And God called Abraham out of the depths of this idolatry. So <clears throat> Abraham was called. He responded to the call. He was faithful in responding to it. He is calling us also to be separated from the world, right? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We've got a function in it. And the church is kind of like a ship in the sea. As long as we're in the ship and the sea is the sea, we're in good shape. The sea starts getting into the ship, and that's worrisome. We've got to be careful that the separation, that we don't let the world come into the church, that we maintain the separation that God wants us to have. And when, 
When God called Abraham to leave where he was and to leave his country and to separate himself, it's, it's worth understanding that, first of all, Abraham heard the call and then he was obedient to the call. So how do we know the voice of God? I thought Brother Kevin Marty a while back talked about the voice of God and how you hear it. And it was one of the, one of the best lessons on that that I had ever heard. And I don't know about you, but I, I am not, when somebody says, God told me, the, the flags come up. Um, I think God, we hear him in the still small voice. I, I have a hard time focusing on God when there's a lot of distraction. If I'm going to hear from the Lord, I need to get away and get by myself where it's quiet, where I can listen. But it's, it's important that we hear the voice of God. And <clears throat> that still small voice, I usually hear it when I'm meditating or praying or just by myself in the tree stand in the woods. It's happened many times. You know, I remember one time when the showalters were in Russia, for some reason, I woke up in the middle of the night and they were just heavy on my mind. And so I got up and I, and I prayed. I had no idea what was going on. And I, I emailed Brother Showalter and asked him if everything was okay. <clears throat> and he said, God woke you up, buddy, because we were having a terrible time. So when will you hear the voice of God? Could be any time. And I'm not saying I'm great at this. This is something that takes time to understand how God speaks to us. But it's important that we learn how to hear from God. And it's just as important that once we hear from him, that we obey him. So <clears throat> in, in Genesis 12 and 1, God called Abraham. In Genesis 12 and 2, God promised Abraham. In Genesis 12 and 4, Abraham obeyed. That's a pretty neat progression. We, we get the call, we get the promise, and we obey. Abraham was a man of unusual obedience who responded quickly to the voice of God. <clears throat> You know, my brother-in-law, Ron Lovins, had a message one time. He preached that understanding is overrated. God doesn't ask us to understand what he's asking us to do. He does ask us to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice, right? And to be obedient, Abraham had to be a pretty humble guy to say, I'm going to leave everything I have and I'm getting out of, out of here just to be separate, right? Because God wanted that separation. And Abraham trusted God enough to where he obeyed God. So, <clears throat> so Abraham also built altars. Altars, you know, here's an altar, right? Right here. We come here to get close to God. And Abraham did 
did that, he built altars that became the center point of worship for, to the old patriarchs. It was there that God met with man and men met with God. It's where they went to meet with God. And it was a place also of sacrifice for atonement of sins. In Genesis 12, 8 says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hea on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. The altar is a place where we call on the name of the Lord. So, <clears throat> Abraham also promoted peace. Abraham was a rich guy. He had amassed cattle and silver and gold, and his nephew Lot was with him, and they, there was a conflict between their herdsmen as to who was going to get the best pasture. So, <clears throat> Abraham gave Lot his choice. You pick the pastures that you want. And of course, Lot chose the plain of Jordan that was well watered and looked like the garden of the Lord. Lot chose what looked good. Abraham had confidence that God would provide no matter where he was. Jehovah Jireh. I don't need to win the lottery. I don't even, I think it'd be scary. What is it now, close to a billion dollars? I've never bought a ticket, honest to goodness. <clears throat> Jan's dad used to get him once in a while because he said he'd pay off the church if he won, so. <clears throat> pay off a lot of churches, I guess. I don't need luck. I don't need just good fortune because I have a provider. And I don't need to worry about that stuff. God's going to take care of us. And I have a testimony of that in my life where God took care of us. And God will never put you in a place where his provision and grace can't reach you. So... <clears throat> Abraham gave Lot what looked good. Abraham took what was left over, and God blessed him. Abraham taught his kids. Genesis 18 and 19 says, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Abraham's kids would have a magnificent, magnificent future because of their teach, the teaching they got from their father. Kids need to see consistency in our lifestyles. What is it saying? Values are not taught, they're caught. It's the stuff you... <laughs> sometimes little kids come up with saying things, you know... Where did they get it, right? They heard it somewhere. You know, in, in Abraham's time, he taught his children to be true people of God, to maintain the separation 
we teach our kids, we want them to be rapture ready, right? So teaching them the truth is the most important thing. Now, <clears throat> Abraham was also faithful in his devotion to God. And if you read Genesis 18, 1 through 14, it's the story of Isaac and how God, God told Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him, right? Now, that's one of those times where I would have said, that's probably not God. <laughs> you know, I mean, think about that. If you have children, um, it's, it's mind-bending to, to understand the trust that Abraham had in God, that he would take his son to the very point of raising the knife to slay him. That, that confidence, that trust in the trial, it, there were no more Isaacs. He was the only one. And he was the only son. Remember God's promise, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you? What if God takes his son? Where's the nation gonna come from, right? So, I would think Abraham had to have that in the back of his mind, that if God really meant what he said, that he was gonna make a nation out of his lineage, that there had to be a son for a lineage. And that trust is what caused Abraham to raise the knife. And <clears throat> it's just, it, it's, it's more than awesome to know that God is that faithful. And <clears throat> Job was another faithful guy. And in the middle of his trial, he said, if he slays me, I'm still going to trust him. Abraham had to surrender his will to God's command. Surrender brings trust, and trust brings the blessing in favor of God. Even Jesus had to surrender his will in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't look forward to it. But it was, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So, power comes from surrender. The surrender that Jesus made in the garden gave him the power to go to the cross. So, Abraham's reward for faithfulness was that he was called a friend of God. What made Abraham God's friend? Obedience and faith. And <clears throat> if you'll just give me a little leeway here, God promised that Abraham would have a, that his, his descendants would be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. And I don't think anybody could count either one of those. So <clears throat> when Abraham got this promise, God spared Isaac 
And so I can just imagine, Abraham was faithful, and I can just imagine someday in heaven. Abraham's going to be standing next to God, and he's going to see this sea of white. And he's going to ask, what is that? And God's going to say, that's my promise. You know what? We are the stars. We are the sand. We are the promise that God made to Abraham. We are a promise in progress. After all these years, God's promise is still being fulfilled. I'm so thankful that I'm here, that I can hear the truth, that I can look in this book and see men like Abraham that modeled how I should live, how I should trust, how I should obey, how I should listen. I'm so thankful for that. I I just have a couple other things I'd like to share with you. I grew up with a family at Elam Tabernacle, the old Elam in in Milwaukee, the Gray family. And uh, they moved to Florida, and I moved there in the 70s. I spent a lot of time with them, and they had four daughters. And their second oldest, Connie, was not a healthy person. And just recently, and so Dan and Jean Gray, Dan passed away a number of years ago. Jean's 93 years old right now. And Connie had, had lung issues, and she got COVID here just recently. And within 24 hours, she was passed. And the doctor wanted to put her on a ventilator, and she said, nope, I'm ready to go. And so she passed away. And no, no parent should ever experience the death of a child. That, that's just, it's unthinkable to me. But I emailed one of the other girls to see how they were doing, and her response was this, Mom is doing great. She's strong. And here's, here's her words. This is a quote. You can't ask for God's will and then tell him he did it wrong. So you pray, you trust, but if you ask for God's will... Be prepared for God's will. And when it happens, don't tell him he did it wrong. Because we can look in the Bible and see all kinds of things that are taken out of context. And I'll quote my brother-in-law, Ron Lovins here. Folks, the Bible is not a book of one-liners. You've got to look at the whole book. You've got to look at the whole book. And then one other thing. I ran across this. There's an old song, and I, get, I like old songs, old church songs. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. Remember that song? I didn't know this, but there's three verses to that song. Here's verse three. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, 
and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. It's God's love for us, folks. It's God's love for us. So, I always end with this. Remember who you are and the name that you bear. Guess where that came from? Jean Grey. The gal that said, pray for God's will, don't tell him he did it wrong. You guys, remember who you are and the name that you bear. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.